This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this episode of Live with GDPR, Tom and Jonathan take up the always difficult question of whether to pay or not to pay if you sustain a ransomware attack. What is GDPR? And more importantly, how does it impact you and your company? Join internationally known data privacy, data protection expert, Jonathan Armstrong, and Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, to learn more about the burgeoning world of data privacy and data protection. After listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what this means for you and your organization. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. And now I'd like to share with you a few thoughts about Ethisphere and their world's most ethical company awards. Do you work for one of the world's most ethical companies? Well, why not get the recognition you deserve for building a world-class ethics and compliance program at your company? You can do so by applying now to be considered for the 2022 class of World's Most Ethical Companies honorees by completing Ethisphere's online assessment. But more than simply completing the assessment, you can receive a scorecard that allows you to benchmark your compliance program against other honorees, and you'll also receive a three-month associate membership to the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance if you complete the application by the November 12 deadline. To get started, download the free application guide and learn more about the process by visiting worldsmostethicalcompanies.com. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Jonathan Armstrong for another episode. Today, we're going to take up perhaps one of the most difficult corporate decisions around data protection. That is the decision to pay after a ransomware attack. So, Jonathan, first of all, welcome back. Thanks very much, Tom. So, Jonathan, in the quarterly compliance alerts, you have uh, entitled this very Shakespearean. I probably should have used that in my intro <laughs> to pay or not to pay. Uh, and in uh, doing some preparation for this podcast, it seems to me that it's a little broader than simply to pay or not to pay. It may be to prepare to pay or to prepare to not to pay. And so I really wanted to to maybe start off by asking you, do you see this as really a crisis management issue that a company can set out a protocol to help them think through uh, the decisions they may have to make on a 24 or 48-hour basis? And if you do, can that protocol be tested through training or, or uh, games or some other mechanism where it can be uh, have a robust debate at the very highest levels of a corporation and up to including the board? Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Tom. I think that the the pay on not to pay is one of the most significant questions that corporations face currently. And from my experience, often 
some board members approach it without possession of the relevant facts. You know, people think that paying a ransom is a panacea, that you get your data back within the hour and the problem has gone away. That is never, ever the case. And I think that many corporations struggle to design their policies on the hoof when they're faced with an attack. And you're right, the more you can do in advance, the better. That might include a checklist that the business agrees that it's going to go through when it is hit with ransomware. And by the way, it's a when, not if. And that might include temperate, uh, template press releases, for example, that it will issue when it does uh, 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 when it is hit with ransomware, it might include template statements to relevant stock exchanges, to regulators, to insurers, etc. When that nasty note or phone call or contact over social media hits them, Jonathan, the uh, what are some of the questions that you would advocate a board? Uh, test themselves with or ask themselves uh, and, and or be prepared to ask themselves in the event of a ransomware attack? Well, I think, firstly, they should be able to determine whether the attack is real or not. And I know that sounds an odd thing to say, but we have certainly seen across our desk, what we believe to be a fake ransomware attack. Obviously, like any criminal activity, we get other criminals trying to mimic better criminals. And that seems to be happening in ransomware, particularly gangs that are using old forms of ransomware that are relatively easy to acquire uh, and then demanding relatively small amounts of money in the hope that the organization will pay quickly without checking how they've been hit or whether they truly have been hit. So one of the first things that they'll want to do is determine whether the ransomware attack is real. Secondly, they might want to see if decryption tools are available. There are some great resources out there that are collecting de-encryption keys that might enable an organization to reverse the effects of the attack, particularly if data hasn't been taken from their systems. Now, they're likely to need specialist help to apply those decryption keys safely, but that might be uh, one opportunity. And there are a number of avenues that they can explore before resorting to the pay or don't pay question. But I would say from my experience, maybe in about 70% of cases, you still are going to have to face that pay or pay not uh, a pay or don't pay uh, question. Jonathan, I've uh, been privileged been to hear you talk about and even had to reschedule some podcasts where you've gotten a call. Uh, we've been hacked. What do we do? 
and uh, typically in that mm. sort of call, you're you're called after the attack has occurred, the ransomware attack, and uh, you detailed some of the questions you would pose. But do you also try to explain to your clients the potential uh, legal uh, risks and the business risks? from either decision and how do you help them or how, what information do you put in front of them that they need to consider, particularly from the, the legal perspective about paying or even not paying a ransomware attack? Yeah, I think there are a number of considerations you should deal with. And obviously, you are likely to be overlooked in each of these decisions. You know, we had a ransomware attack recently for a client. They uh, The gang exfiltrated data put it onto a website that is uh, used by this gang to uh, release bits of data to try and embarrass organizations. The data was on less than a dozen individuals, but still class action lawyers appeared saying that they were acting for those individuals in connection with the case. So everything you do um, I'm sure there's a sting song in it somewhere. They'll be watching you. Um, so first of all, you've got to bear in mind the fact that even if you pay the ransom, you might not get the data back. And there's a study by Blake's, the lawyers up in Canada, that suggests that in Canada, at least 9% of organizations who paid the ransom did not get a functional decryption key in return. Even if the gang do hand over the keys, you're unlikely to be able to restore everything. So we generally work on a rule of thumb of 80% restoration from the cases that we've been involved with and the intelligence that we've had from people we talk to. As just one example, the health services in Ireland were hit. They were given a decryption key, it seems, from the gang responsible two months after the attack. They'd still only managed to restore 3,933 out of 4,891 servers. They'd still only managed to get back up and running 69,000 of the 83,000 devices affected. And this is despite the fact that they had the support of an extra 850 personnel, including specialist contractors and, and uh, borrowed people from the Irish Defence Forces. So there is not a panacea with paying. You still will not get all of your devices back. There will still be impact on the business. And obviously, a lot of board members don't understand that. They think that that paying the money makes them whole again and makes them up and running again within the hour. That never happens. Secondly, attackers are more likely to strike again if you pay. There are suckers lists around. Some gangs will come back to attack you, or probably more likely, they'll send, sell your details to somebody else, and they'll try a different form of attack on you to try and get money from you as well. Thirdly, the attackers might learn more about your business and your systems. Bear in mind, these are people who've already been in your systems, so they're able to acquire a lot of information, and they might be able to acquire information of the thought processes you go through in paying the individuals involved, etc., etc. Uh, ransomware payments ultimately fund criminal activity. Uh, they can fund worse things. There's an excellent podcast from the uh, BBC World Service on the... 
uh, activities of North Korean hackers who seemingly are doing ransomware against the likes of Sony uh, to pay for missiles to point at American forces in theatre. So uh, ransomware usually funds bad things and payments for what are called zero-day vulnerabilities, so the best way of getting into systems, and for talent to attack you uh, are funded by people making payments. So the richer these gangs get, the more likely they are to attack you and others. And obviously sometimes there's a link with organized crime, with prostitution, with drugs running as well. You can face fines, uh, and I think the likelihood of you getting a fine may be increased with some regulators if you pay. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, what I think I've called before the Chumbawamba test. You know, everybody is going to get hit by ransomware, but it's important to get back up again quickly. And if you are seen to be responsible in the way in which you get back up again, then I think regulators will take that into account. There are other things as well, anti-bribery laws, sanctions regimes, particularly, as I've said, relating to North Korea, possibly China, possibly Russia, where the U.S. authorities have sanctioned a number of these gangs. You could face liability under terrorism funding laws. You could invalidate your insurance. And you should also bear in mind that it's really hard to cover up payments. The uh, CISO of Uber tried it. He is, I believe, facing criminal charges for trying to cover up a ransomware payment as a bug bounty payment. But there are resources like ransomware, which track payments now, and it's going to be much harder to bury a payment. And now we're going to have a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Jonathan, is there anything on the radar about a potential new law or new legislation in this area? Possibility. There are proposals for new legislation from the opposition party in Australia as they head into their election campaigning. And there are some proposals in the US as well, both at a federal and at a state level. I think we're likely to see some governments react to ransomware attacks, for example, on health services by proposing the banning of payments. And particularly, Jonathan, unfortunately, I think we are near the end of our time for this episode, but uh, if any of our listeners wanted any additional information on quarterly compliance or any of the topics we've talked about on uh, ransomware payments to pay or not to pay in this podcast, where can they go? Com. There's a search button top right. Type in ransomware, and you'll see four or five. You know, I should have asked you this in the body of our podcast, but it strikes me, Jonathan, that the uh, that you should preparation have top of mind for a ransomware attack would make uh, an excellent attacks. service offering, particularly from quarterly compliance. Is that something you offer your clients? Sort of a a package approach uh, to to be ready. Yes, it is. Yes. So we are helping clients look through those decisions in advance to test what their reaction is going to be to those decisions. And we've also helped 
test people as well. We have uh, Cordry Data Breach Academy, and we've done some really good rehearsals, I think, with clients, sometimes competing against other corporations. We've involved a BBC journalist who's tested uh, people you want to trademark forensically the on their response name. to incidents. And uh, all here of I'm going to give an unsolicited shout-out to the BBC podcast you mentioned. It's called The Heist, and I was turned on to it by uh, Mr. Armstrong himself. <laughs> and it is the story of North Korea's hack of the Bangladeshi National Bank. And if you like true crime podcasts, if you like thriller podcasts, or you like podcasts about um, data protection, it's a great podcast. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's an easy listen It's uh, and a great story told by the BBC. So uh, thanks for uh, alerting me to that. And I've certainly learned a lot more about that uh, particular ransomware attack than I was previously aware. So, Jonathan, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Excellent. No, my pleasure. And, and Jeff, I'm sure, would want me to say that his, uh, he just signed a book deal this morning, Tom. So the, the podcast will become a book in 2022 as well, I think. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. I'm going to link to the quarterly compliance client alert so you can get additional information from both Cordery and Jonathan in that client alert. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about a podcast series that I'm running. It's a very personal podcast series where I take back, take a look back at 9-11, both the day of 9-11 and 20 years later as this year's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. The fall of Afghanistan and Kabul, the series is even more poignant. In this series, I talk to uh, six individuals whose lives were directly impacted by 9-11, and they're generally in the compliance space, so uh, I know uh, their thoughts around the events of 9-11 and what it means to our profession I think will be very moving for you. So I hope you'll check that out. It's available on the Compliance Podcast Network. It'll come out on my Innovation and Compliance Podcast feed, and it's produced by One Stone Creative. Thanks again for listening to Life with GDPR, and Jonathan and I look forward to visiting with you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.